If you were with us last week, we were in Luke chapter 18, the story of Jesus and the little children being brought to him. We looked at that story that precedes the one we're going to look at today. It was there in Luke chapter 18 where Luke emphasizes for us that infants, even infants, were being brought to Jesus. Infants, helpless and completely dependent as they are, they are being brought to Jesus. But as, as most of you know, if, you've, if you're a parent, most of you know there is a very short period of time between that helplessness of the infant, that total dependence, and that period when children are absolutely convinced that they can take care of themselves. <laughs> I remember bringing our oldest daughter home, Megan. Uh, I remember bringing Megan home as an infant. She needed us. She needed us to feed her, to care for her, to, to, to clean her up, to, to bathe her. And yet within just a little over a year, what did we suddenly start hearing from this little infant? <laughs> we started hearing words like, I doed it, I doed it. <laughs> there were so many things that we wanted to do for her, and yet she was completely convinced that she could do them herself. You've got to admire the growth and you've got to admire the confidence there is a very short time between that helplessness and that desire to be self-reliant. And here in Luke chapter 18, that distance is just one verse. We go from the helpless infants in, in verse 17 to verse 18, where there is a man who is convinced that he can do it himself. The man who wants to know about heaven, who wants to be sure of his eternal life that after this world, his life will live on, and he is prepared to do it himself. We pick up where we left off last week in Luke chapter 18, beginning again in, in verse 18. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, well, who then can be saved? But he said, well, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And Peter said, See, we, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. What must I do? That's his question. And as Jesus hears this man's case, he responds and says, there is one thing that you still lack. 
And you and I hear that and we have to wonder, what? What is it? What is that one thing and what is the one thing that he missed? And could it be, could it be that you and I have missed that one thing as well? Chances are, if he could miss it, we could miss it. And the one thing was not his wealth and it's not his possessions. It's, it's bigger than that. He's missing the essence of what eternal life is. It's not just about heaven. It's about the life that we live here and now, the life that we live together. And what he's missing is very possibly something that we could be missing also. He's missing that eternal life is about relationships. It's, it's very subtle, but you might even miss it, but it's very subtle, but it's there in his question in verse 18. The, the ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? I want you to think about that because what do you have to do to inherit something? There's nothing for you to do to inherit. You inherit because you are born into the family. You inherit because a relative has left you something in their will. They've included you in their will. You inherit because you have a relationship with that person. You understand this. You understand this because you've, you've gotten the email from the Nigerian prince's family, right? You, you've gotten the email from the Nigerian prince, the email telling you that the prince has died and he has chosen to leave $4.5 million to you. And all you have to do is initiate a wire transfer by sending 49 US dollars, just $49. If you will send $49, that will link your accounts and then they can put the $4.5 million into your account. Now, what is that? That's a scam. You know it's a scam because you know that's not how inheritance works. But the problem is, we understand that that's not how it works when it comes to money, but what if it's not money? I mean, what if, what if instead of money, what if the currency is your goodness? What if you are so good? What if you are such a good person that a Nigerian prince wanted to leave you his money? What if, what if you were so good that someone would put you in their will? And what if you were so good that you even got God's attention and he had an inheritance for you? And so this man approaches Jesus. And what's the first thing he says to Jesus? He approaches Jesus and he says, good teacher. <laughs> now there was a practice in those days and we continue a very similar practice today. If someone complimented you, society said you had to return the compliment. If someone paid you a compliment, like I like your dress, I like your hair, I like your face, you had to respond with the same compliment to them. So what's he doing? He's He's trying to get Jesus to recognize him. Good teacher, and the response should be, my good man from Jesus. But Jesus, <laughs> Jesus isn't playing. Jesus is having nothing of it. Why do you call me good? There's no one good but God alone. He thinks that he is good. He thinks that he deserves good things. He thinks he certainly deserves more good things than these infants that Jesus has just been dealing with. But Jesus isn't having it. This man thinks eternal life is all about him. He thinks it's all about who he is, about 
what he has and about what he can bring to the table for Jesus. When that becomes our mindset, heaven, eternal life, it becomes a competition. It becomes a competition to say, look at me, look at what I have done. I am certainly more deserving of heaven than that person over there. And what we all miss is that inheritance comes from the relationship that we have with the one that, that gives to us, the one that we all have relationship with. And this is something else that the man is missing, and it's something that we might be missing also. We all seek eternal life from a common condition. The transition from the story about the infants being brought to Jesus to this man, it, it, it's a very abrupt trans, transition. In fact, there's no transition at all. If you notice, verse 18 begins with the words, and a ruler asked him. Not and a ruler came to him, but and a ruler asked him. And, and so we realize this is the same setting. This is all part of the same story. And we're left to wonder, was this man listening in? As Jesus was dealing with those children, with those infants, was he there for the whole interaction with the children? Was he listening in? And is he now asking, yeah, but what about me? What must I do? Because I'm not like them. I'm not like those infants. I am different. I am special. I can take care of myself. Jesus has already answered his question. Verse 17, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. But he doesn't think the rules apply to him. Why? Because he's been very good. Jesus quizzes him. He takes him back to the Ten Commandments, well, to, to five of them anyway. And in verse 20, Jesus says, You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. You notice that out of the Ten Commandments, Jesus only quotes five. And, and the five that he mentions happen to be the relational commandments. Commandments that pertain to how we interact with each other, how we treat others, how we honor others. And the man says in verse 21, he says, all of these I have kept. And when did he say he kept them? He says, all of these I have kept from my youth. What did Jesus just say in verse 17? Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child, like a youth, shall not enter it. Oh, Jesus, I am bringing so much more to the table. I am bringing you so much more here. These rules, they obviously don't apply to me. You know, the, the problem that you and I probably have is different than this man's. This man was exceptional. I mean, we, we know he is an exceptional person. But you might look at those same commands and think, I've blown it. I broke that one and I shattered that one. That one is gone. And your response might be just the opposite of his. Your response might be, I have not lived up to these ever. I have not lived up to these since my youth. I have messed up. And you might be thinking, I have a deficit. I have to begin with a deficit here. But even with your history, and even with your, even with your mistakes, there's still just one thing that you lack, and it's the same thing that this guy lacks. Verse 22, 
Jesus, when, when he heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. One thing you lack. Now hear me. This passage is not a call for us to sell everything that we have. That's not the point. It goes back to the infants that were brought to Jesus. Now what what exactly does an infant own of their own? Well, nothing. Infants own nothing. They have nothing. They are completely helpless. They are completely dependent upon other people. What this man lacks is the understanding that salvation is not an eternal life insurance policy. Salvation is not a retirement plan. It is life. It is life here and now, and it is seen in the way that you treat other people. Eternal life is seen in how we care for each other here and now. Verse 23, but when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Do you remember the lesson from the children? Last week when we looked at the lesson about the little children brought to Jesus, we saw that the lesson wasn't really about the children. What Jesus said there in those three little verses, he he said for the disciples, and the disciples are still listening here. Verse, Verse 24, Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it, the disciples, those who heard it said, Well, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. This desire for eternal life, you you can't buy it. You have to be born into it. You have to be reborn into it. And you can't hold it over other people and say, look what I've achieved. Look what I deserve. Look what I have. You find it when you recognize that we're all in need. Peter's listening. (laughs) The last time the disciples were mentioned was in the previous story with the children. The last time the disciples were mentioned, they they had rebuked those who had brought the children to, to Jesus. And Jesus rebuked the disciples and said, let the little children come to me. Peter's been listening. And listen to what he says in verse 28. Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. Do you remember the beginning of the Gospel of Luke? Do you remember the beginning of 2020 when we started in the Gospel of Luke? It was way back in chapter 5, way back in Luke chapter 5, that Peter, Jesus encounters these fishermen, Peter and Andrew, James and John, and they are out fishing all night and they've caught nothing. And Jesus says, let your nets down into the deep and you'll get a big catch. They let their nets down. The nets become, begin filling with fish. The, the, the boats are almost swamped. The nets are beginning to break. Peter, uh, an experienced fisherman, has never seen a catch like this. And he gets to shore and he falls down on his knees in front of Jesus. And he says, Lord, depart from me. I am a sinful man. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And then in Luke chapter 5, verse 11, 
we read, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. 13 chapters later, 13 chapters later, Peter finally gets it. We're not here to earn heaven. We're not here to, to be good enough to earn heaven. We are already a part of the family. And when we answer the call to follow, it, it is no longer a, a what I must do or even I do it, I do it myself. It's what Jesus did for us. The eternal life we long for is happening here and now, and it is seen in the way that we love each other, the way that we care for each other. Peter said, see, we have left our homes to follow you. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. If you want eternal life, realize this. Eternal life starts here and now. It starts in the way that you care for others, the way that you extend heaven into their lives, the way that you value the poor and the forgotten and the overlooked, and the way you treat them as though they are your own family because they are. Heaven is not your reward for being good or for being born into the right family. Heaven starts now in the way you care for others. We're in Luke 18. In one more chapter, Jesus will enter Jerusalem. It will be the final week of his earthly life. He will be rejected. He will be beaten. He will be crucified. He will die. And he will rise again. And then 50 days later, his followers, these disciples, will be called back together and they will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And what will they do? They will heal the sick. They will care for the poor. They will feed the hungry. They will care for the widows. They will care for the forgotten and the rejected and the despised. They will offer people who have nothing. They will offer them a little piece of heaven right now. And more than that, they will offer them each other. They will become family. 2,000 years later, and this is still the hallmark of the church, 2,000 years later, and this still defines who we are. We are not the lucky few who, who get to go to heaven because we live right. We are those who bring heaven to earth in the way that we care for others. How we become the answer to that prayer that Jesus taught us. Your kingdom come. We become the answer to that. That eternal life. That eternal life begins now. It's what we remember when we come to communion. We remember that it's not about what I doed, as my daughter would say. It's not I doed it. It's Jesus did it. It's that Jesus paid it all. It's that Jesus gave us everything that we need for eternal life here and now. And that it begins today. You know, maybe... Maybe that's not something that you've ever accepted. Maybe, maybe you're here because you're just a little curious about what we're doing. I want to let you know, it's not about what you do. It's not about what you've done. It's not about how good you can be. 
It's about what Jesus has done for you. Even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We come to remember that as we take communion. And I would invite you, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord, He, he is ready to receive you. He is eager. He is eager for you to come to Him. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that in a world where we are so, we are so impressed by what others can do, in a world where we are so impressed by, by what our own achievements might be, Lord, we come to you simply empty and having nothing but faith. And we trust your Son for what he has done for us, what he completed on the cross. We remember that today with this bread and this cup that reminds us of his body broken, his blood shed. And we thank you for the peace that we know through Christ. And for my friends who are watching at home, Lord, I pray they know that peace. And if they've not experienced it yet, I pray that through the way that we interact with them, we might show them a little something of heaven right here and that they might come to know Jesus as their Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. God bless and go in peace.